0: Welcome to Odo Did You Know, where we sit down with people from the University of Michigan Otolaryngology Head & Neck Surgery Department and take a deep dive into something about them that you likely didn't know. The goal is to find out more about who we are, what we're passionate about, and what sparks joy. I'm Tara Weaver-Hawley, the host and communication specialist for Odo. On this episode, we're sitting down with Dr. Gabriel Corfis, Principal Investigator and Director of the Kresge Hearing Research Institute, to talk with him about his passion for sailing. So let's find out. Did you know? Hi, Dr. Corfus. Thank you for joining me. Um, How and when did you become interested in sailing?
1: I started trying to learn to sail when I arrived to the U.S. for my postdoctoral training in Boston. So I took a course that was given by Boston University in the Charles River with small boats. Uh, Another friend who, like me, is from Argentina, we, and he was also a postdoctoral fellow, we decided to do it together. And um, it was a lot of fun, these little boats in the middle of Boston. Um, However, both of us could not finish the course because we were very busy working in the lab, each one in, I, I was, at Harvard Medical School, he was at Boston University, and we were both very busy, so we didn't complete it. Uh, I I remained um, interested in it, but didn't have the the courage and energy to to do it again. I had had before a few sailing experiences. And the first one was in as when I was a teenager, thirteen. A, a friend of mine from school. Uh, His family had a sailboat, and they invited me to sail in the Rio de la Plata, the river plate in in Buenos Aires, in Argentina. And I went there, and what I remember is it was really interesting and nice, but then the the river can be very shallow, and the boat um, got stuck. So, um, And I was very tired, and they sent me to sleep in the, the bow, and I remember waking up completely seasick and with a terrible headache. Oh, no. Uh, but luckily, that didn't discourage me from sailing eventually. And then I had other friends whose family had a, a sailboat as well. And I sailed a couple of times in, also in the Rio de la Plata, and I enjoyed a lot. So for me, uh, it was magical, but it took many years. Actually, I think it was 2012 or 13 that we went to Spain and took a course in Spain to learn how to sail in a big boat or a 36-foot boat in the Mediterranean.
0: Would you say then that the experiences you had in Argentina as a kid, uh, that was the start of your love of sailing? Or had you always loved being on the ocean or on the water?
1: I you know I didn't have enough experience but actually it was with with Lisa my partner that uh she has a passion and 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 in some way she she was a little bit the motor of us going and 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 getting more serious about it
0: okay what is it about sailing that you enjoy or what the attraction to it that you like doing
1: I feel at peace and, and very relaxed when I'm sailing the quiet, you feel the wind, you feel the power. I, I like when there are some waves and the boat moves. I always enjoyed being in, in boats in, in the water, you know, um, I, I always liked it, but I didn't know I would like to, to be in charge of sailing myself, yes.
0: You said you had an incident where you were seasick when you were a teenager. Do you, does that not bother you anymore?
1: Oh, absolutely not. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't get seasick at all. Maybe all my sick sickness went there that time. <laughs> <laughs> I took care of it. Yeah. Uh,
0: back to you. You mentioned taking that course in in Spain. What did that in, involve?
1: Um, yeah. So that was a quite intense course. We would spend the whole morning doing theoretical training, learning how sailing works, all the rules, uh, how to read maps and charts, how to make plans. We were studying with a British skipper and in in the North Sea, yes, in North Atlantic, currents and tides are very important, yes, because there are very big tides and very strong currents. So we had to learn a lot about that luckily in lake michigan that is not <laughs> a problem so we don't have to worry about that but we were getting a certification that would allow us to be skippers for relatively large boats in in europe and in the americas so we had to learn all the rules so then in in the morning uh, we would take the classes and in the afternoon we would sail and learn how to deal with the sails, with the navigation equipment, <clears throat> and practice all the different maneuvers. What type of boat were you sailing in? It was a 36-foot Genoa, with a very nice cruising boat.
0: Is it one that you could live on in theory?
1: Yeah, yeah. So actually, we stayed in the boat during those okay. three or four nights. I don't remember exactly, but yes, and, and, and it was kind of a learning experience, not only how to sail, but actually how to live in the boat.
0: Is that something that you would want to do if you could, in theory, like say when you retire, would you want to live on a sailboat and sail around the
1: world? Well, I, it's it's an interesting idea. Now I have a boat in which I can, you know, it's, it's also very similar to that boat in which we studied. So um, right now it serves as a weekend place um i think that it could be very interesting to live for some time in a boat and i'm I'm not sure if i'm ready to cross the atlantic <laughs> uh but it could be really interesting i i still i'm still learning uh, i still have a lot to gain confidence and experience uh, in order to be a better sailor but if i would get to that position i would be happy to try it Maybe what I would do is um, go with more experienced people and be act as crew rather than as captain.
0: Gotcha. Where do you like to sail? Where do you like or like? Where do you keep your sailboat?
1: My sailboat is in in Lake Michigan on the west coast of of Michigan uh, in South Haven. It's a very nice place. Oh yeah. But I've I've sailed in several other places like the Mediterranean and the British Virgin Islands, and it's uh, each place has their own particular beauties.
0: Do you have a favorite place amongst the places that you've sailed? Uh, No,
1: I've enjoyed all of them. (laughs) Not that many, but I've enjoyed all of them.
0: So when you sail on Lake Michigan, do you just kind of sail out into the lake and then kind of around and come back into port? Or do you actually sail, you know, up and down the coast of Michigan?
1: So when I purchased the boat, I purchased in Lake Huron. So I actually went okay. all around Michigan to bring it to South Haven. So in, that was an amazing trip and gave me opportunity to see many of the beautiful sights in Michigan and enjoy all the coast. That was a fantastic experience.
0: How long did that take to do?
1: So that was in at the beginning, you know, in the spring, so it was still quite cold and there were many storms. So it took overall 14 days, but of which five or six days was without navigation because there was too stormy or too much fog.
0: Does it get somewhat rough out on those lakes?
1: Yes, yes. You know, there are days that you're going to have six foot waves.
0: Okay. Um, What would you say is the most dangerous thing about sailing? Other than the obvious, which is, you know, the ocean and the weather that you can't control in terms of like the boat or like navigating the boat or, you know, something I, along those lines?
1: I would say that on one hand, these boats are incredibly safe. Yes, they are big vessels with a, a very heavy keel that allows the boat to be incredibly stable. Of course, uh, one of the big dangers, like you mentioned, is an unpredictable weather or a very strong wind that could uh, damage the boats. Now, recently, we have heard in the news about the killer whales, the orcas, that are attacking Mm -hmm. sailboats in in the Atlantic. So that's something, a new kind of danger, which is can be pretty impressive. And then traffic, yes? So when you are in places where there is a lot of traffic, like in Lake Michigan or in other big ports, you have to be very careful about knowing the rules of uh, (laughs) maritime traffic. And um, another experience that we had here in in the lakes was going through uh, the Mackinac Strait. And having to deal with heavy fog down the radar. And they're big, 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 big boats, you know. Uh, So you have to be really incredibly careful because those boats cannot maneuver. So if you get in the way of those boats, uh, you can get in trouble.
0: Have you ever had a major incident on a boat where it tipped over or you ended up underwater? Um, A friend of mine sails, and I remember her telling me about a time when the boat she was on, it basically like flipped all the way around in the water. Um, I think she said it's called going around the world. Um, have you ever had anything like that happen?
1: That only happens with those little boats or only oh, okay. dramatic situations. Actually, it happened to me. I forgot about this experience. I was when I was a PhD student. I was I took a course in a, a neuroscience course in Woods Hole, Massachusetts, in the Marine Biological Laboratory. And on a Sunday, the day that we were not working in the lab, suddenly a friend, a classmate of mine, appeared with a sailboat, a small sailboat, and says, hey, Gabriel, do you want to come and sail? So I jumped into the water and got into the boat, and we went out, and just within a couple of minutes, he uh, turned the boat, yes, he did attack, and he forgot to tell me, so the boom hit my head. Oh, no. Yes. So then... Okay, I was okay. So then three minutes later, he flipped the boat. (laughs) (laughs) And suddenly, I was under the water with a line tying my feet. Luckily, I was able to untangle myself. Anyways, this this, uh, friend of mine, who is now a professor in uh, UCSF, almost killed me. Uh, But that (laughs) didn't kill my interest in sailing. (laughs)
0: be—you US be, really likes sailing. If the seasickness didn't <laughs> put you off and the um near-death experience didn't didn't put you off. <laughs> where is the most dangerous place in the world to sail?
1: I heard that in in the south of Africa, there are places which are really, really hard. And people I've read about people doing solo sailing around the world, and when they go through the South uh, uh, South of Africa they they encounter very very difficult areas. I know that also going in the south of Argentina and Chile, crossing from the Atlantic to the Pacific, I think it can be really challenging as well.
0: How does solo sailing work? It seems to me like there's a lot of things that need to be done that requires more than two hands. So, sailing. there are
1: boats that are prepared for, um, how do you call this? Uh, it's called um, single-handed. Okay. So, you know, the lines, some boats have the lines that control the sails all the way to the cockpit where the the steering mechanism is. So, that makes life easier. Also, today there is technology like autopilots and radar. Oh. So, I met a, a very young couple from chile they were sailing in at the time i met them was in the british virgin islands and they had purchased a boat in italy then sailed the mediterranean then crossed the atlantic they were finishing the sail in the caribbean and in and, and, and that area and then they were going to sell the boat and and go back to start their adult life in, in chile <laughs> And they told me, they, they crossed the Atlantic, and they would go to sleep because they put an alarm. And if there is something, either that the boat detects another boat or there is anything else, the alarm wakes you up. So oh. it, it is remarkable. I never thought about that, but apparently that's the way it works.
0: Um, what's, uh, what's the name of your boat?
1: The boat uh, came with a name, and the name okay. is Kismet, uh, which means fate in Turkish. And so we felt that it was a, a nice name and we left it. And apparently, when you change the name of a boat, you have to go through a very complex ceremony to make it not be a bad luck thing. So it's too complicated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask, what is the process if you wanted to change change the name of a boat?
1: Well, you can go and change it. The problem is that there is a lot of superstition Yeah, in the boating community. And you have to do something quite complex and elaborate if you change the name.
0: Don't want to anger the ocean gods. Yeah, Yeah,
1: apparently. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Do you enjoy other types of boating type activities like kayaking and canoeing? Or is it kind of just, is your love of sailing kind of it?
1: Yeah, I like kayaking and canoeing. Yes, absolutely. It It is very nice, especially when you're in a quiet place in a quiet river or sometimes in the sea as well i've done it in 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 several places i think that sailing is very special it's less physical at least the way i do it when people are racing it's a bit more physical but it gives a very special um, feeling of freedom and peace
0: for sure have you ever done uh, competitive sailing
1: no i i would like to i've been trying to volunteer as a crew for something like that unfortunately i've not been able to find the opportunity yet i would like because i feel i could learn a lot by participating in that and seeing how people sail their boats
0: do you watch the
1: america cup
0: america that's it i was gonna say world cup i knew that wasn't it
1: i have watched very little i it, it's, it's something unbelievable because the new technologies are making these boats being able to go faster than the wind yes it's unbelievable uh and it's fascinating but i i am i have to confess that i'm not very much into watching sports on tv mm-hmm. i've never been so i i i'm not used to trying to do that
0: so one kind of one last question about sailing What would your dream boat be to sail? If you could build or buy any boat in the world, what would it be?
1: You know, it's interesting. So when I bought this boat, which was bigger than what I thought initially, I was going to buy. Yes, I was thinking about thirty-two foot boat, and then suddenly I ended up buying a thirty-seven. And I said, "Oh, this is this is great." And people told me oh, you know, yeah, this is good for a starter boat. I said, really, for a starter boat? you know. I, and it was just one week later that I started looking at bigger boats and saying, oh, it would be nice to have that. That has gone down. But the initial the initial, emotional <laughs> reaction was really interesting. So I think that the, the size of the boat I have is pretty reasonable also because it's, you know, the issue of maneuvering, you know, the bigger the boat, I think is, little bit more complex and harder to get into marinas so mm-hmm. i think that um i'm i'm in the right ballpark so i i want to say i'm very satisfied with it, it is more than whatever i thought i was going to have so i uh, i should be very grateful
0: nice well thank you so much for talking with me about sailing and you know, your passion for it. So to end each interview, I'd like to ask a series of short answer questions yes. um to help us get to know you a little bit better. So the first is about your name. Is there a reason behind why you were given the name that you have, or does it have a particular meaning that that has um, sentimental attachment to it?
1: Not that I'm aware, there's no previous relatives that use this name. I think it was a name that was a little bit getting in fashion in Argentina when I was born. So people were starting to use that name, and that's all what I know. Just, if just you like want the to neighbor? know something funny was that since I didn't know any adult with my name because it had not been used that much, uh, I used to think that I was going to have problems when I grew up mm-hmm. because people were saying, you know, that's a child's name. It's not an adult name. It was- Very funny. As a child, I was very concerned that people were going to feel weird about an adult having my name.
0: That's funny. This is actually an aside. Where in Argentina were you born?
1: I was born in Buenos Aires. Oh, okay. In the capital.
0: Do you have any siblings?
1: Yes, I have uh, full siblings, half siblings and step siblings.
0: Okay. Do you consider yourself to be an early bird or a night owl?
1: I'm an early bird.
0: So do you hit the snooze button when your alarm goes off or do you get up right away?
1: I get up right away, usually.
0: Do you collect anything?
1: Uh, no. I don't think I ever collected anything.
0: No, not even as a kid? No. (laughs) Uh, Roller coasters, yay or nay?
1: Nay. I -hmm. went there as a a teenager and I always was afraid and didn't like it.
0: And then lastly, uh, kind of a silly question, is a hot dog a sandwich?
1: a hot dog if it comes with a bun it is if it's no bun then it's not it's (laughs) the bread that defines the sandwich
0: okay okay that makes sense yeah thank you again to dr corfus for joining me on the next episode i'll be talking with dr mark prince about his experiences in kumasi ghana odo did you know is a limited series podcast with new episodes released monthly